0: Night gathers, and now our podcast begins. It shall not end until we're done talking. We are
1: The Prince's. That were promised. Welcome to the princes that were promised. It's me. It's Shawnee Wan, and with me via the Skype, it's John. John, you start us off, man. What did you think?
0: Thought it was a very good episode. Kind of sad that it's over. You know, it's like you kind of like just waiting like, and like next week on, you know, Game of Thrones, and and there's no next week.
1: I know. That's my foremost feeling is sad. The last couple episodes have been a little bit disappointing. And I think this one almost makes up for it, but the cliffhanger we're left on, and knowing we're going to wait more than a year, and knowing once that wait's over, it's six episodes and done, it is kind of sad. I was thinking about the Winds of Winter while I was watching this, because it was such an epic episode without a huge battle, and really the only action was the destruction of Baylor sept. And here's the same kind of thing, not a whole lot of action, but so much happens, and Really, the only action is the destruction of the wall.
0: Right. The one-on-one uh, fight with uh, Theon and that guy, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Really be... <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, I was thinking when he was fighting him, that should have been fucking Dagmar. Yeah. You know, they should have just kept that guy around, because nothing ever happened to that guy. Not that it matters. That would have been, like, a nice callback and bringing things full circle. But, but so seriously had a face turn there, thought for a moment...
0: Yeah, that's something I knew that was going to happen. So I was not surprised. Yeah, It's, it's just like, come on. I just, you know, here comes the golden company.
1: Yeah. I thought We're we gonna get,
0: get the golden company.
1: Yeah, plots within plots. I thought Euron was bouncing. Now nah, he's going to get the golden company. So him and Cersei have been doing a lot of plotting without Jamie. So you can understand why Jamie's hurt and angry at Cersei. Mm-hmm. If you saw that thing. That thing went right for you. Like, what are you doing? You're not going to help these people out. Who are you? Do you think Tywin would have helped? No. Interesting.
0: I don't think, I think, uh, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know either. I don't think I can say no, but I don't know that I can say yes either. Yeah. Whatever he would have done, he would have done what's right for House Lannister first and foremost. And you look at Robert's Rebellion. I mean, he didn't join in until victory was certain for Robert. And he didn't Mm -hmm. lift a finger for Ares. So, yeah, maybe he wouldn't have. Maybe he would have done exactly what Cersei would have done. No, let's just get right into it, man, because it's late and a lot, a lot of stuff going on here. So we open up the King's Landing with the Unsullied standing outside. No explanation how they got across the continent, but...
0: Right. That's probably the biggest crap <laughs> I would have about this episode. Yeah, it's okay, but though. It was, I mean... Was, there wasn't anything to talk about. was was like They, they didn't even like, add a scene in there and say, like, <laughs> yeah, it was a tough road ahead. It was, it was really tough to figure out how to get you on know, something. Just give us something.
1: Yeah, like, or just like a line, like, um, like, oh man, Grey Worm, that sure was a shitty journey. And he'd be like, shh, not right now. You know, I don't know, just fucking some throwaway line, but it's okay. I can get past something like that. But the Lannisters are preparing for battle. And <laughs> we get Bronn and Jamie, and, uh, Brod's like, uh, this is a cockless army. <laughs> and Jamie's like, uh, oh, maybe, maybe it is all about cocks. And Bronn's like, and your brother has, uh, your brother has chosen to side with the cockless. <laughs> The Dothraki show up, the Greyjoys are there, Theon's Greyjoys show up with everybody on their boat, and it's like you said, it's like a who's who of Westeros. Everybody's here at this meeting, except for Sansa and Arya. Cersei, Quiburn, Jamie, Sir Gregor, and Cersei says, if things go wrong, kill the silver haired bitch first, then our brother, then the bastard that calls himself king. And then we get we get the big scene in the dragon pit. <laughs> Sandy asks Jorah about the dragon pit, and Tyrion kind of muses. About the dragons. We get the Tyrion Pod reunion. We get the Tyrion Braun reunion part two. And we get the uh, Brienne and uh, the Hound reunion. For the people that didn't think the Clegane Bowl was going to happen, and you and I were definitely two of them, it it almost happened.
0: It almost happened. But it's like, if it does happen, how is it going to happen? Like, when is it going to, you know, I like.
1: That was one of the things from those spoilers. You, you remember reading that part from the spoilers? The fake spoilers for season eight? Well,
0: there was a game Bowl in there.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't make sense how it happens. So everybody's sitting around waiting for Daenerys to show up, and she shows up with two dragons, not three. What I noticed here was Cersei did look worried for a moment, and Euron actually looked impressed, more so than worried. Mm-hmm. And I thought we got get another really good re- performance out of uh, P. Lu, Aspack as Euron Greyjoy again tonight. He almost stole the show at this meeting. Before the thing even starts, he's calling out Theon, which I definitely thought was cool.
0: Right, and then it, was, it was Cersei who uh, kind of talked to down and said, listen.
1: She ran down, him yeah. But in reality, she's plotting with him, which is, I don't, I don't know, man. I can't get past that. Like, it does feel like she's betraying Jaime, and she's calling Jaime a, oh, a, a de- true.
0: Oh, she's definitely, she's, she's definitely doing that. She definitely took that, she definitely took the tyranny and Jaime up. like, really to heart.
1: Yeah, which I don't understand and why. She's,
0: this is her, I guess he didn't kill her, like how she wanted him. Yeah, but then she had the
1: opportunity to kill him too. Which, by the way, a lot of good acting in this episode. Lena Headey, again, Peter Dinklage did great. Their scene, I think that might have been the best scene in the episode, was their scene. And having it in the hands quarters. thought back Mm -hmm. to all those times that Tyrion walked in to speak with his father over season three and season four. Knowing from reading the books how intimidating of a walk that was for him to go walking into uh, Tywin's office. So it's interesting that Cersei chose that as a place to meet with him. So what did you think of this big this big meetup? Well, there was definitely uh, one thing that I I I read the leak
0: part when you know John was saying he already bowed to one you know to one queen. I thought that was going to be a lot more dramatic than what it was. Yeah, and I'm actually happy it wasn't as dramatic. Yeah, you know, it
1: just it was anticlimactic.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a huge like oh my god moment. I Me, mean, it was, but it wasn't like. Over the top.
1: You know what? It was more like a, oh my God, you know nothing Jon Snow kind of moment. Dopey John moment.
0: Ruin their chances, you know, with Cersei right there.
1: Well, did it? Do you think Cersei would have, I feel like Cersei would have taken advantage of that and she still wouldn't have helped out?
0: Probably, most likely. She probably said, look, all right, I got my guy supporting me. Right. So he'll, he'll, he'll lead the army up north. And she, Yeah, and, definitely. She definitely, it, it still would have been.
1: Yeah, well, he's, he's Ned Stark's son. No matter what I do, he's going to keep his word. <laughs> fucking stupid, starts. We're, we're dead. <laughs> yeah. So in actuality, Jon Snow doing that, he would have kept his word, and this is the best thing he could have done.
0: He would have told Cersei he saw He would have broken his, you know, his his pledge, his vow. Well, broken his... with Daenerys, and he didn't want to do that.
1: Right, and everybody's getting on him about it. Well, first he says, "Go ahead and say my father and how his honor got him killed," but if more people kept their word we'd have an easier time fighting the real threat which is the army of the dead and it definitely got him laid dude it definitely got him laid
0: oh yeah definitely that was that was like hook line sinker right there and we'll go on we'll talk about that later on but there, there was definitely I'm not sure if I'm skipping ahead here I'm, and I no, no 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 it's a little bit a couple of scenes but that other that next scene with Danny and John when John's talking, to him, talking about about know, not having you know, a child right she's having a child like they're having a child it's completely set up,
1: and it's interesting the dynamic of of if if that's the case. I mean, it looks like it's the case, and it only makes sense with the dialogue in this episode. Her saying, "I can't have a child," and he says, "Well, how do you know?" Well, the witch that killed my my ex husband told me, and John's like, "Well, why why do you believe her?" So yeah, it looks right. like it looks like so you're
0: believing you're, you're believing in a prophecy that you don't even sure is true,
1: and you know it's your enemy. <laughs> so yeah. um, the person
0: that just killed your husband and son is telling you this, and. Yeah. Take that with a grain of salt.
1: Definitely. If you can take anything with a grain of salt, take, take that with a grain of salt. So it's interesting if she is pregnant and Cersei's pregnant and the dynamic between both these queens who know that if they fight this war, they could very well be giving up Westeros. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure each of them have that in the back of their minds. Daenerys has seen the threat, but I'm sure she's still thinking about if I fight this war, we may win, but then... I could very well lose Westeros. I already lost a dragon to the Night King. If I lose both other dragons and we are somehow able to win, you know, Cersei going to be able to to keep Westeros because I'm not going to be able to take King's Landing without the dragons. It's tough decisions all around, and I can't blame Cersei for playing it the way that she is playing it. And the more I think about it, the more likely it seems that that's the move that Tywin Tywin would make. We get the Tyrion and Cersei scene, which we we already kind of touched on after the big scene. Then we get the John and Danny scene, and then Cersei comes back with her face turn, which isn't really a face turn.
0: And I believed it. For a second, I believed it. It's a double turn. It's a triple turn. Oh, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> that's the real Stinger. Go get him, Sting. That's not Stinger. That's the real Sting. No, no wait. Oh, no, out! No, no. That's still another fake Sting. Sting's with Sting the NWO. The he joined the NWO. Oh, that's the real Stinger. Go get him, Sting. What's he doing? He's leaving us behind. Um. Yeah, I believed her for a second. I thought. She, I thought she was in for a second. I thought Tyrion convinced her. So then we go to Winterfell. Unless you get something else to comment about the uh, King's Landing
0: stuff. No, we'll we'll go back to King the King's Landing stuff. I love the uh, the map scene. We'll go Winterfell first.
1: Yeah. So we get the Littlefinger, Sansa, and I kind of figured in the scene that they were playing Littlefinger because. When Sansa was doing Littlefinger's exercise, trying to figure out what is the worst possible purpose that Arya could have for doing the things that she's doing, and the worst possible purpose being she wants to be Lady of Winterfell, that's totally not Arya. And I kind of figured it was a setup for Littlefinger, which we have suspected. Mm-hmm. You know, we figured it had to be.
0: Definitely the beginning there, it was definitely Littlefinger trying to propose to Sansa kill Jon yeah. because of what he was doing.
1: Yep. Littlefinger had no play here because... It was a really smart plan overall. I talked about it when when we weren't able to talk together. I was talking about Littlefinger's plan and saying that basically there were just too many variables involved and he had to stick with the hand that he played and he tried to make the most of it and I think he would have done all right if the North didn't name John their king. But they did. So then he had to play Sansa against John and it just didn't work out for him. Maybe it would have if Arya hadn't shown up and Bran hadn't shown up. Maybe it would have worked out for him. Maybe he would have been able to convince Sansa to use the North to betray Jon. And then he could have just bid his time and marched south on King's Landing. But, time for wolves. And they dragged Bran inside from the godswood. He finally got some lines <laughs> this episode. <laughs> that
0: was one of the things I noticed. It was like so funny. I'm looking at like, oh look, there's Bran.
1: <laughs> what are they doing inside? They're letting him inside now. <laughs> Uh, uh, we, so we go back to Dragonstone after that before we get to the brand scene we go back to Dragonstone and Jorah wants Danny to fly
0: yeah. Jorah
1: on North and she decides to sail North with Jon
0: Captain of the Fred Zone yeah.
1: damn it, both sex Jorah's like, it never gets any easier <laughs> it always hurts
0: everybody hurts <laughs> sometimes Everybody.
1: (laughs) Oh, Jorah. (laughs) What did you think of the John and Theon scene?
0: I thought it was really good.
1: Yeah, I liked it, man.
0: Like this is like John was very for Theon. This was cathartic. Theon's definitely looked at John in a sense of like he had to really do something for John to apologize to John for what he thinks. He knew that, you know, that John was close to Rob, and, you know, you know getting taken with the fell and all that. He had to do something. You know, I was like, I want to go, I am want to save Yara. I got to save Yara. And then John's like, well, what are you doing here still talking to me? Yeah. That was kind of like saying, go on, go on your way. It's fine. Yeah. Go on your way.
1: Well, he says, I can't forgive you for all of it, but what I can forgive you for, I do. That John was very kingly here, I thought. Very wise beyond his years. And I think I think Theon sees that. And if you think about that, yo, know, we go back to Winter's Coming and we talked about how important it was for the surviving characters that are in the pilot episode. Those relationships had to be established and the dynamic of those relationships had to be established in just a few scenes because the payoff seven years later now is these characters coming back together and and the roads they've been on, the decisions that they've made, holding each other accountable for them, answering for them, and how the relationship has Change and the dynamic between Theon and and Jon Snow between Winter Is Coming and The Wolf and the Dragon or the Dragon and the Wolf. It is, basically, a complete one eighty, in the way Theon looks at Jon Snow, but not for Jon Snow. Jon Snow still looks at Theon the same way, he saw a a, a jackass of a kid, and now he sees a man who is for the most part paid for his crimes. Um, mm-hmm. I still I still think Theon is gonna. Lose his life at some point. Um, You know just based on narrative justice. He killed two innocent kids. But he has paid for his crimes against the Starks. He still lives with that regret. And Jon can see that. And he knows that Theon's probably punished himself. And he forgives him for it. Because what's the point? What is the point of holding on to it at this point? We didn't get much Theon this season. But that kind of made up for it. A lot of the characters we didn't get too much of this season. We got in this episode. And you said it. When you were previewing this episode, you were saying everybody's gonna have a moment. And for the most part, everybody had a moment. And then we get, which, it's not my favorite scene of the episode. I'm sure it's not yours, but it's fucking awesome. We go back to Winterfell. Littlefingers, Justice. Did you like how this played out?
0: I definitely, I loved how you see Arya there. And
1: it's like, Lady Sansa, I'm afraid I'm confused.
0: <laughs> and then Sansa's through all the things. Like, he killed Lysa Aaron. I love, like, Bear's just like, you know, None of you going with the net star None of you guys were there. And there's good old Brand. You <laughs> <laughs> put a you put a dagger through his throat. And then he told him, I didn't want you not to trust me.
1: And he can't argue because everyone
0: believes Brand. Everyone just believes Bran. That's what Bran says.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably the Lords of the Vale are probably like, yeah, the the, the kid in the wheelchair just don't <laughs> Everything he says is right. Don't cross him. And Littlefinger knew that he knew because of the chaos as a ladder line that Bran said in whatever episode he arrived at Winterfell, episode three right. or four. So Littlefinger knew that he was he was stuck, and he tried everything. He tried every move he had to get out of that.
0: All right, he was begging for his life.
1: Mm-hmm. Good acting by uh, Aidan Gillian. I don't think they did the Littlefinger character enough justice, the writers, uh overall in the entire series. But I do think that uh Aiden Gillen, the actor that played Littlefinger, he was a good Littlefinger.
0: Right. Well, I think the top part of Littlefinger is just in the past the past couple of years, definitely this year in particular, it, it's I think we we always talk about like the end game, where where is he going into that? Like where does right. he fall into that? And especially for the show. I mean, the books, I'm sure it's going to be a lot. I think that would be different, how George is going to write him and all. But um,
1: for a long time, I thought that he was going to be the third act villain. I don't think that any longer, because how they've worked the character, it's not going to be the same in the book, but it will be similar. He didn't marry Sansa to Ramsay, but he will marry Sansa to some lordling in the Vale. I don't think that Robin Aaron will live long. And however they get back to Winterfell, I, I do think it will be a very similar sort of end for... For Littlefinger,
0: he's definitely to do something in the books too. That's going to get that's going to you know get him caught, right? And in a situation where he, he can't get out of it. So in that regard, it's going to be like the same, but just a difference.
1: I I don't think I'll ever get past the Sansa Ramsey wedding though, because just for her to put herself in that situation is just I don't think it was written the right way. I don't feel sorry for her because she chose to marry Ramsay. She didn't have to do that. It's not like Littlefinger made her. He made it seem like there weren't many other options, but. She could have stayed in the Vale. So that whole storyline just, it never worked for me and it never will. But it is reason enough for her to hate him if she feels that he tricked her into marrying Ramsay. But Sansa passes the sentence and uh, Arya swings the sword or the cat's paw dagger, so to speak. It was cool, man. It was definitely a cool scene. And it was good that Bran was there, that the three Stark kids were there and they're united. You know, all that Winterfell drama is over and done with. It did feel like, for the most part, with the exception of this scene, it felt not even like a B storyline, bro, to be honest with you. It was like a C or D storyline for this season, where it probably should have been a B storyline, if not an A storyline. I don't like that they were trying to trick us all season. It felt like it wasn't that bad, but it it just... I guess it wasn't that bad. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, we had an idea that they were just playing. They were doing this to to fool Littlefinger.
0: Right. But, like, at what point did they first start, like...
1: it had to be when Arya arrived, when they were at the Godswood with Bran. He must have told them there. And he is Lord Protector of the Vale, so they needed to come up with a plan to have him, to have a situation where he is, because he's wily, you know, he'll, he'll get out of it if he feels threatened. So they had to come up with a plan to get him in front of all the Lords of the Vale, and accuse him of what they wanted to accuse him of and have definitive proof or definitive case against him where the Lords of the Vale couldn't argue. Because even if the Lords of the Vale don't like Littlefinger as their overlord, he still is. So they had to be careful with it. So I understand it. I get it. I guess I'm okay with it. The The setup wasn't all that great, I thought. Mm-hmm. The payoff was good. The payoff pretty much made up for it. We get the. And you go
0: back to the King's Landing.
1: Right. With Jamie planning the, the march to the north to aid. Right. to aid their new allies.
0: Right, I loved it. I thought that was great.
1: Yeah, another really good scene.
0: Like, just like the, and like, just hear like Jamie, like you know, using his like tactical, you know, albeit was like a very small thing, like you know, we're gonna meet up here, we're gonna, meet, and, and I don't know, it, I thought it was just really cool. I, I really thought there was almost like two Jamies in this, in this, in this episode. Yes, like, the first half. Yeah. You know, he's just like, oh, you want to talk to her? Go talk to her. You know, like he's got like his toes and to his legs.
1: He's so. loyal to her, but he knows that it's a losing cause and he doesn't believe in it. He's just always been loyal to his sister and to the Lannisters. And he feels like that's what he's supposed to do. He's a soldier. He's not a, he's not a hand. He's not a, um, a lord. He's a soldier first and foremost, but it's like he's fired up then at the map because this is something that he believes is the right thing, which is what Jamie's always been searching for. Well, not always. Since he lost his hand, since that journey from Riverrun to King's Landing with Brienne, he's been searching for the right thing to do, something to believe in. And at first it's like, all right, I'm going to be the best Lord Commander of the Kingsguard that I can be. But that's not enough. That wasn't enough for him. That wasn't what he was looking for. And this, nobody wants to fight the army of the dead, but he knows There's no area of gray. It's black and white. Army of the dead is bad. He's on, on the good side. So he's going to do the best that he can because deep down, Jamie wants to, Jamie wants to redeem himself. Jamie wants to be, Jamie wants to be Brienne. Basically what he sees in Brienne. Somebody who just knows what's right and knows what's wrong and isn't afraid, no matter what other people say, isn't afraid to do what's right. No matter how foolish she looks. And Jamie looks up to that in Brienne because he's always been a cocky, arrogant, nonchalant, don't care about anything, just love to fight. That's been him. And he was never happy because of that. And together with his sister, he's been in this like an enabling relationship where Mm -hmm. they both look down on everyone and think they're better than everyone and, and feed into each other's negative outlook on life. And for him to find a reason to remove himself from that and to know he's going to do the right thing, that's what Jamie's always been looking for. So, really good acting by Nikolai koster Waldo in the whole episode because you saw, just like you said, you saw the two parts to Jamie in this episode.
0: I just I just love that. Deanna. He's like, you know, I, I, I made a pledge. I made a pledge to do this and I, I'm going to do it. A sworn oath. Swore you know, sworn oath. And feel it like Pledges and oaths were once again very, uh, important in this episode. You know, yeah. John kind of like when he, you know, he swore the oath to, to, uh, you know, to side with Danny. Mm-hmm. You have, uh, Jamie here, maybe even Theon to a degree. And then, you know, we also come back and we see, like, we see the Tower of Joy. We, we get reminded once again uh, of an oath right there with Ned. You know, we're just, we're just reminded of, of vows and oaths and not to break these oaths
1: the importance of oaths the importance of doing what you say you're going to do and keeping your word john snow's a big believer in that because he's ned stark's son and ned stark was a big believer in it and it cost him his life but mm-hmm. i don't think ned would have done anything differently other than not accept being hand but even that he wouldn't have done that differently because he would Robert was his friend, and he would always help Robert no matter what. Even if, right. you know, even if it would cost him his life, he would still help Robert because he's a loyal guy. So, even knowing the end result, I don't think Ned would have changed anything that he did.
0: What did you think of the, the go back just real quickly to Dion and John? With Dion's like telling John, you know, you always did things the right way. You always wanted to do things the right way, and that's something I can never do.
1: Right. I thought it was fucking awesome because it wasn't, he wasn't just talking to John. He was talking about all the Starks. Uh, maybe not so much Rob, but at least Ned and John. Because as it turns out, even though John isn't Ned's son, which we can say without a doubt now, he is the most like Ned. More so than Rob, more so than Arya, more so than Sansa, more so than Bran, definitely more so than Rickon. John is like Ned. I mean, do you, do you disagree with that?
0: He definitely tries to act like that as much as he possibly can. Because he had had no other figure out what the thought at all. Like, he had no one else.
1: Thank God. It's a good thing that Cotlin hated him. Otherwise, he might have looked up to her and... uh, Oh, God. Then the whole realm would be fucked. (laughs) Yeah, that that Thea and John scene, man. That was a lot of really fucking good scenes, man. You know, this is what I wanted all season long. And it's like, you get glimpses in the first few episodes... And then you just got nailed with it for like an hour and 20 minutes. And it was awesome. I didn't need any action. We could have been done without that last scene at the wall. And it would have still been an amazing episode. So Jamie walks out and Cersei says, nobody leaves me.
0: Yeah, no, one walks, no, one, no one walks away from me. And, and there uh, and 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 they, and Jamie goes. The that was so awesome. Like, now it's on. He's like, I don't like, believe now you. Now the relationship is really good. Now, now it's on. Yeah, and that that was one of the things if you, if you remember. That was one of the things I was looking forward to this season. Yeah, was this was this scene was this part of Jamie saying, you know what, see you later. I have to, I I got to do what is right.
1: So does this make up for you with Jamie with the wishy washy kind of back and forth he's been doing the last couple seasons?
0: As long as we go back to being wishy washy next season,
1: I, I mean, I, I don't think he will. I think that's
0: you know like. <laughs> You see like episode one he's like rowing up to, you know, he's running up to um to Haribo, and all of a sudden he makes a U-turn goes back and end of the episode he's apologizing to sort yeah. of say like I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: Ugh <laughs> oh, I would hate it.
0: Oh man, God I would just that would that would be like, okay, just kill him now. Just kill him now.
1: <laughs> so I was trying to figure out the significance of that last scene with Jamie when he's he's riding um and he covers his he's gold riding. hand. After he, he leaves, he's like, I don't believe you. And he walks past Sir Gregor. And then he's riding. He's got his, his gold hand out. He covers it with the black glove. And then, like, he rides in another direction. Like, he comes riding well, into the screen think, and then riding off away well, from it, the screen.
0: Do you think that's because of um, the snow coming down get you don't want the golden hand? Anything white or something?
1: Yeah, I guess it could have been as simple as that. Or, you know, it could have just been show him leaving King's Landing while it's snowing. Could have been, like, maybe he... He was kind of second-guessing himself, and then he saw the snows coming, and he's like, winter's coming, the Starks were right, I'm doing the right thing.
0: could also be uh, him covering up the gold, the lance of gold, and putting it on, like, a black glove, you know, he's in a fight, you know, he's in a fight against the others, how, like, the Night's Watch would. Yeah. Like the, you know, just, you know with, with, with plaque on or something, I don't that. know.
1: Yeah, that's true, but the, just, only, just that out there. the only thing with that, if he shows up in the North with gloves on, they're going to think that's weirder. Then if he has a gold hand, they're going to be like, what the hell is he wearing on his hands? It's like,
0: gloves. <laughs> oh, these no, are gloves. have, no, no, have no gloves.
1: <laughs> they, they keep your hands warm. <laughs> keep your hands warm? Why didn't we think of this? So that's it for Jamie and Cersei. And then we get the big reveal scene. You
0: know, I, I, I was getting nervous because I'm looking at the time and I'm like, God, it's like, it was like at the hour and 10 minute mark or something mm. at, at this point. You know, stood the big scene there at the King's Landing, it was, it was snowing. You know, that The Witchers has now come to King's Landing. Right. And uh, I was getting a little nervous. I'm like, maybe the leaks were wrong and we're not going to get a reveal or, you know, or something. like, wait, it has to be. It's it, The the is called The Dragon, and the Wolf. There it, it just has to be some sort of, like, Ray Garley out on this. It just has to
1: They were giving George Martin as much time as possible. They gave him two seasons with the half a reveal last season. And they even gave him most of this episode. And then they just had to do the reveal. That's it for George Martin's reveal. They gave him every opportunity.
0: Right, and, and, I, and I want to go back and I want to make something clear, uh, very clear, because once again, this past week, I have read the uh, you know song coming up with the uh, the whole Ragnarok theory and how basically, like, Danny and John are a red herring. I will say this again. Alan Taylor said it back in 2010, that in the discussions with George, basically George... Flat out alluded to the fact that the whole entire story is about the convergence of John and Danny. The author is saying it. The author is saying this. This is not fan service. This is not, you know, fanboys and fangirls. The author is saying this. And I'm not saying that Jimmy doesn't have a part of the play, but the author is coming out and saying the whole entire story is on the convergence. Not all of it, but the majority of the, the importance of the story is the convergence of John and Danny.
1: People that are, are gonna still argue this after this episode are just I mean, they can they can buy their time and come up with their arguments, but it's just it's futile. Futile arguments.
0: And this is definitely gonna yeah, be something that, that's like, again, it's happening. This is an important thing that will happen in the box. I and mean, then you probably so, so, both sex.
1: Yeah. Dude, it's the, it's the crux of the whole fucking thing. And if you think about it, it's a good swerve. The only reason people have figured it out is because these books are so good that people read them over and over again, and there's such a long length of time between them that people are able to figure it out. One person probably guessed at it, and it makes sense, and then there's just right. proof. And let me also say, let me also say, like, you know, everyone, you know, says
0: that, you know, and George has come out and said it. And I laugh at it because you know, how many times has George come out and said things that just don't come to fruition? But, like, how George basically... Why would be the after that broke all the tropes? So people take that, like, all this stuff is too much of the tropes. But, like, even George is gonna write tropey stuff. It's just just a matter of telling a story.
1: That's how stories go. Mm -hmm. You can't get past some tropes of a story.
0: It's probably, it's really George Arman's word for coming out and trying to be, like, all, like, you know, hipster and all, saying he breaks the tropes, which he has. He has done that, but you just can't do that all the time.
1: There's only so many tropes you can break. Like, if these guys want, like, like some kind of abstract fucking ending that is comes out of nowhere. That's fine. Maybe they'll be surprised. But when they go back to look at the story, they're gonna be like, "Well, that this story actually sucks because you know I was reading this story, and then all of a sudden it's a new story with, you know, where where Euron is actually Azor High. and I didn't see it coming. But it doesn't make any fucking sense, and it doesn't sit well with me. And actually, I don't like the story now. Like you need to have the ending. Arguing against this is just such a waste of time. A waste of time. So how did this scene break down, then, the Ray Garliana scene? It was Sam shows up at Winterfell.
0: Sam, that that horse must have really... Oh, uh, uh, that horse was booking it. it. He was well fed, that horse.
1: It looks like he forgot Jilly, too, who's going so fast. Cause I didn't see her on the <laughs> horse.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, she, she had to have been there. Yeah, right? no, nah, yeah. the Back carriage and all. Yeah. You know, she had to have been there... Um, Brand's now inside. I guess it's kind of too cold for Brand to be out there 24 7. He's only out there 20 hours a day now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just so weird. He's so weird. He's uh, like, a oh, little, like, little, yeah, little less
1: weird it. this episode, I thought, but he's still so weird.
0: You're a good man, Samwell.
1: He's like, oh, you remember uh, me. He's like, I remember everything. I'm the three eyed raven. Sam's like, yeah. oh, well, okay then.
0: <laughs> what, what does that mean? I mean, so I can see anything. <laughs> what does that mean? I can see anything in the past, present, and future. But you, up to this point, can't see Ray Rorto, Gary Marry, Lyanna Stark. That, that was something you couldn't see. <laughs>
1: right, you didn't think to look for that. And then he's like... One of the
0: very things is Samwell says to, to Bran, goes, I have no doubt that John is going to be the one to lead the battle. Right. So it, is that something that he sees in the scrolls that he's uncovered that matches up to what he believes in John?
1: I was going to ask you the same thing. Why does Samwell believe that? there
0: has got to be something in those scrolls that he read, right. but not maybe a Zora High, depending on the previous Zora High or the previous, you know, uh, like hero, of the story, and be like, yeah, this is this is this is John.
1: Do you think we're going to get into a Zora High more next season?
0: I'm hoping.
1: I could see Benioff and Weiss not going that route, just leaving it be. I wouldn't like it, but. Listen, if they can stick landing, I'll be okay with anything. You know, I'll be okay with, with little mysteries not being answered or answered in how I interpret the material. If I can interpret that Jon's Azor High or Jamie or whoever I want, but they don't explicitly say, oh my God, I'm Azor High," I'm okay with that, but I would like for it to be addressed a little bit. And I'm thinking that they will because, you know, now Jon knows that he's Aegon Targaryen, they don't have that to address, so now they can address Azor Ahai, the prince that was promised, the last hero. Maybe some Valyrian steel swords as well. Maybe they can address that also. And there was no mention. There was no mention of Dawn, right, in um, in those fake script leaks. I didn't read no. anything about Dawn. No. And Dawn's got to come into play. It has to.
0: You would think, is in, why would they make? Why would they go out of the way to show it at the bedside? You know, right. if it wasn't that important, of the sort?
1: Right. Well, if they were showing when John in John's birth scene. Salt and Smoke Beneath a Bleeding Star. I mean, Dawn has a star and it was a bloody sword, so that's a bleeding star. Salt and Smoke. Salt, Lyanna and Ned were both crying. But the smoke, I don't know. I didn't see, I don't recall seeing any fire or anything in that scene. I gotta watch it again. But that could be the only other reason I could think of for including Dawn. And there's no mention of any other Danes. As I don't know, man. I would think Dawn shows up next season. But maybe not. Maybe not. Sam that informs Bran that all right, so you can see everything, but you didn't look close right. enough because he's, he's not.
0: He's, he's being brand's like brands like um.
1: He's John Sand. He's not actually John Snow. I can know, see I, everything. I, I
0: gotta to speak to John too about who you know who he really is. And, and Sam's like, well, what, what are you talking about? Oh, he's not even my father's son. He's Rhaegar Targaryen son with my aunt Lyanna. Is and he was born in Dorne, so that means he's John Sand. Right. I guess that kind of makes like Sam will think, oh wait a minute, nope, that's not true.
1: It's like no, dickhead. Or,
0: what nice do you are, you are you sure? Are you positive? Yeah. Can't you look in the past? The high set and left them in a secret diary that this this wedding took place.
1: What did you think of Rhaegar Targaryen?
0: Looked just like Viserys.
1: Oh my god, dude! I thought it was Viserys for a second. Yeah,
0: I'm like, yeah i was like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> you know,
1: Harry Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, it was like Harry Lloyd put on a few pounds. He's doing a cameo.
0: Looked just like Viserys, which, which I thought, which I actually thought was awesome.
1: Yeah, I thought it was cool too because he wasn't because like. like the like Harry Lloyd's got, like, as Viserys, he's got, like, a creepiness to to how he looks a little bit, but this guy didn't. It was, like, looking at, like, um, like Bret Hart and Owen Hart. You are like, Owen Hart looks, God rest his soul, Owen Hart looks, like, a little creepy, that's why he's the heel, but Bret Hart's got that chiseled face, so he's the good guy. It felt kind of like that with, with uh, this Rhaegar and then Viserys. A Shawn Michaels and a Marty Jannetty, if you will. And then they got the same Lyanna, and it looked like they were in love, but... My only problem is exactly what you said at the beginning of the episode. Or maybe you said it off air. Why did they get married in front of the Seven? Is that just because that's the only wedding that that's,
0: Ben and yeah, Weiss think would make sense to viewers?
1: Well, the High viewers? Septon, right? I guess that makes sense because there's no religious figure to annul a marriage in the, with the old gods, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Dorne... Ah, uh, shit. I wish I knew for sure, but I'm pretty sure Dorne is mostly Faith of the Seven. Although that yeah, would,
0: that I would think, yeah, I would think so, yeah.
1: Although that may not make sense either because Dorne is uh, Nymeria who came over from the Roinar. They're not followers of R'hllor in Dorne. And they're definitely not followers of the old gods. So then the Septology is the only thing that makes sense. I hope they address it. I really hope they address it because if you think about it, Rhaegar's a believer in prophecy. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the, the Septology, the Faith of the Seven, I kind of put it in the same category as the Maesters, as... A group that has an ideology that kind of wants to move past what we were talking about last week. It wants to move past magic and prophecy and kind of bring the world into a renaissance of learning and science and and math and pull the world out of this medieval age. That's the vibe I get with the Faith of the Seven. And with Rhaegar, he's a man of prophecy. And Lyanna is a, a daughter of the North. And it's not like she's a daughter of Ned and Catelyn. She's a daughter of Rickard Stark and some fucking. Who, who was his wife? It was a uh, a uh, shit. Definitely a Northerner. She's a. Um,
0: it was a cousin.
1: A Flint. I think it was a Flint. Yeah, I believe it was a cousin, but it was also a, like a, another house, though. I think it was a Flint or something. I don't think it was a Stark. We talked about this. I think during the Ned podcast, that was weird that nothing's ever mentioned about his mother, and I don't think it plays into anything, but. Point being, Lyanna's a daughter of the North. It's not like she's her father follows the old ways, the old gods, and her mother follows the faith of the Seven. Both her parents are mm-hmm. followers of the old gods. So why are a a man that believes in prophecy, and if he believes in any religion, I, I would think it'd be the faith of her lore,
0: right? And Hold a woman on one that yes, yeah. he married Rickard Stark, married his cousin Lyara Stark, the daughter of Roderick Stark, and his wife Arya Flint.
1: Okay, even more so. There's like no. Southern blood in Lyanna. Mm-hmm. She's totally Northern. So where, where do they get off getting married in front of the seven? Unless, well, duh, the answer's right there. Because they wanted this to be official marriage. Rhaegar wanted Jon Snow, Aegon Targaryen, to be his heir. Because the Iron Throne, a king is, is blessed by the High Septon. Right. When Aegon... When Aegon took over Westeros, he was crowned king by the High Septon in Old Town. So that's why. That's the answer. It's not that they believe in the Faith of the Seven. It's that they wanted their son, their child. They wanted Lyanna to be the queen, Rhaegar to be the king one day, and their child to be the heir. So he was totally dismissing Elia and Elia's two kids. So, I mean, what do you think about that? Just the fact that he, he annulled that marriage and those two children, he is dismissing them. Is that because he loved Lyanna or because... That's going to be a whole big thing. Maybe we should save that for Wednesday. We could talk more about Rhaegar and Lyanna. I mean, I feel like we've talked to, to death before about... He had to
0: do what he thought was right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to. He was following a vision, prophecy, and he thought that that was the right way to go. But he had every intention. It's like Sam says... John is heir to the realm. He's the rightful king yeah, of Westeros.
0: That was, uh, said
1: that. Oh, Bran said that, right.
0: I don't know about you, but, like, when he said, like, Robert's Rebellion was basically built off a lie. Yeah. Like, I was like, that got my heart. Like,
1: that was a good line.
0: Really got me going. Like, yes, it was. It was built off a lie. All those, all those people died because Rhaegar really loved her and because the confirmation that, you know, she loved him. You know, I'm still, I'm sure there's people arguing over that, but, like,
1: I don't it's see how that so can. Obvious.
0: But I don't get it. it to me, it so obvious. If you read the books, yeah, that you know, you have Liana who was betrothed to this womanizing pig of of a man in Roderick Baratheon. You know, mm-hmm. being so not into what, wanting to marry him, and she's not going to like not want to marry this guy. And then all of a sudden, I fall in love with the other guy that ran that she ran off with. Yeah, it just made it, it. never made any sense for not to be not to be a love story. And I, I think i back said it once. I said a couple of times. Like George doesn't. Most of George's love, like you know, marriages in this, are are all arranged marriages. Yes. It seems like a lot of the the love stories always turn out very poor.
1: Oh, they you end know, up very badly. You,
0: right. You, you can name like you know, like time and love and Joanna, and Joanna dying while right. giving birth to Tyrion. Right. Robb Stark marrying you know, Jane Westerling. Right. That ended in the you know, the Red Wedding. And the most biggest one of all, the, the love story of Ray Arleada, that just caused so much, you know, so much death.
1: That ripped the realm like, apart.
0: It's all this, like, death comes with, like, true love in, in, in George's writing.
1: That's a really good, that's a really good insight, bro. And you have said that before. Uh, we talked about it a little bit, but it's 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 an awesome insight because it's, it's so true and it's very rarely mentioned. Rhaegar and Lyanna's marriage did tear the realm apart. You know, a lot of people talk about Tywin and Joanna. But if you think about it, any marriage, Rob Stark, any marriage that's for love and not arranged between these noble houses, it ends in death or destruction or really bad fortune.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's never been a bastard. He's the heir to the Iron Throne.
0: I was on my knee fist popping on that. I was no. on my knee fist popping yeah, that was awesome. And but then in between that, we see the the um yeah the boat sex scene. Uh huh. With Tyrion Lannister creeping. What's with? What's, what's all these people creeping this year? On yeah, that? what, like, dude? What this,
1: was with this, that? What was with that with Tyrion Lannister? I
0: don't know. Like I, I don't know. Like he was like he didn't look too happy. Like no, he was, they like,
1: did not. You know, they, are they
0: setting up that Tyrion time feelings for for Danny next season? Season eight, Tyrion Jorah playing Jon Snow's death.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, dude, it's gonna be like something about something about Mary. Where uh, Tyrion and Jorah are like uh, Matt Dillon and fucking uh, the pizza guy. Um, <laughs> the pizza yeah, guy. <laughs> pretending he's a cripple. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> this is like Jerick, he's like, Jon Snow doesn't deserve her. The only thing I can think of is maybe Tyrion is thinking that Jon Snow and Daenerys, a marriage between the two of them, that's a powerful thing. And maybe he's thinking.
0: How his sister reacted right. to the conversation that, you know, she kept on applying, Oh, you, you brought them together. You, you knew this was going to happen. Well, you know, they're going to come together, so they're going overthrow us.
1: Well, that's, you know what? It's it's important to go back to that scene now because Tyrion is apologetic for her losing her children. But do you think Tyrion believes that she is going to help out? Or do you think part of him thinks that she isn't going to? Based on how he was looking at Danny and John, I'm thinking he believes Cersei. And maybe that's right. why maybe that's why Cersei didn't kill him when she had the, the chance. She wanted him to believe that she was gonna help so she could be in position to take Westeros while Danny is fighting this war against the dead.
0: Plots within Gosh, plots. So, she is so stupid. She is so stupid. Is she though? Yes.
1: Yeah. if <laughs> is gonna if they defeat the North Up, uh, they're gonna defeat them
0: with the Golden Cup. I don't Oh my god. Like, she thinks it's such a great, you know, this is not a normal army you're fighting, you know.
1: Uh, we'll, we'll touch on that more Wednesday or something, but.
0: Right. Um, and then, like, real quick, you know, yeah. we see, like, and John's in the, you know, and John, that's, John's not even his name, his name is, and then you go back to the Tower of Joy. I read something on uh, online yesterday that the actress who plays Leanna Stark said, this is like last year at some point, like, she said, like, last year when he said his name is, like, people are trying to, like, you know, like, re lip it, you know, like, uh, right, like, you know, like, lip, lip read it,
1: right.
0: She said she didn't say anything, she just said, she said some mumbo jumbo. She didn't even say a name,
1: it's safe, like, it, yeah, it was
0: all, yeah, she just made up like this, and then everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's, she said Harry. she said Harry. she said Agan, she said Amen, she didn't even say a name, but then we go back, we hear that, and, uh, um, I, I, I am gonna sit down, I'm gonna, right now, I'm gonna. I know a lot of people are gonna question it, but I'm gonna say in the books his name is, and I will never call, I will never refer to Jon Snow anymore as Jon Snow. His name is Aegon Targaryen.
1: You think that's his name in the book, also? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm more inclined to agree with that than Jaharis. I like your idea for why it would be Jaharis, but Aegon just makes the most sense. So he'll be Aegon the fifth.
0: Well, I was gonna ask you this question. Mm-hmm. He's eight, no, he's definitely. I guess he's, is he Aegon the sixth now? If we were going to believe that Aegon, that oh, right. Egan and Elia
1: was the 7th or was
0: Aegon the 6th. Good call. So I thought it would flow better than being Aegon the 7th because 7th is a match. Right. Uh, but if we're saying that basically Aegon and Agen were pretty much left out as bastards, then maybe he's Aegon the 6th.
1: I gotta look it up. I gotta look in the encyclopedia. I gotta look at all the Aegons.
0: At birth, when they, when they, named, him, when they named Elia's Aegon? Does he automatically become Aegon the Sixth? No, I Does think it's, I think it's think when his, he's crowned. He officially named King. Yeah. You know, Aegon
1: the Sixth. I believe it's when he's crowned. He's, you know, Aegon Sixth of his name. So
0: in okay. that case,
1: basically I think that there's so been- So in that
0: case, then John had definitely to Aegon
1: the Sixth then. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna check it out. Cause I think Aegon the Unlikely, Aegon the Unworthy, I think Aegon the Dragonbane, or Aegon the something, and then Aegon the Conqueror at this, I'm not sure. I gotta check it out. I have to check it out. But there's something about that name that is part of this prophecy that that Rhaegar believes in.
0: Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't want to lean into it. But you go back to Maester Aemon telling Jon to kill the boy and let the man be born. Right. Who is the other person you said that to?
1: Aegon the Unlikely.
0: Aegon the Fourth. Yeah. Aegon the Unlikely. Egg. He said the two Agans. He said the same phrase to two people in both of them named Agan. And he just, Rayo must have just thought that this princess promised was going to have to be name, named again. And he had to be legit. Like he could not have been a bastard.
1: It's so awesome. People that argue, why do they even argue against it? It's so awesome. Like it's, you can't get better than this. So what that you figured it out. It's great that you figured it out. It's still awesome. <laughs>
0: And that's a, that's like one thing I you know I I've been seeing the past couple of weeks like people are getting upset uh, I I think in some aspects about the story because like a lot of these like these characters are dying and these stories are coming these, most of these stories are coming to what we, a lot of us believe and people are getting upset but what did you expect the show was going to go on and on and on and on the books aren't you know once they ever come out they're not going to go on and on and on and on and on right. they're going to have closure to it. You're gonna have characters that are gonna die. Yeah. You you're gonna see events happen that you know may you know was predicted, wasn't predicted. You might not like, you may like. You can't get upset over that something that you know like like okay, we go back a little through his death. it it's probably a little bit different in the books, but I think it's, it's the same type of thing where he's gonna you know
1: same thing. Mess
0: up. Yeah, he's gonna mess up. He's gonna finally mess up enough where he will get killed. Yeah. Or are you gonna get upset in the books say he dies? You know, this guy's a ten-man walk. He has no end game. He's not going to be around with the White Walkers. You know, he can't like what's wrong. He can't manipulate the Night King.
1: No, no, we cannot.
0: So, why all not guys who get upset about this kind of stuff? Like, oh my god, I can't believe really Littlefinger.
1: Well, those what are people.
0: Expect we're in season seven right now.
1: Those are the people that had the theory that Littlefinger was uh, working with the Night King. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the Night King, final scene. Seven years later. Finally, they reached the
0: wall. Uh, one big thing that they let in last week's episode, and I guess maybe the show just couldn't have put they. It would be completely unrealistic to have there's no way they could have won. But like, we, we saw the giants earlier on in the season, the giant wets and then I mean, we once once again we see them again today. Yeah, tonight's episode. Like, where were they last week fighting? You know, like where were they taking a nap? Well, that you know
1: what. You could say that. You could call it a plot hole, but you could also use that to um, further solidify our belief that that was a trap set by the Night King. Because if he had giants there, it would have been one and done. Well, plus they never would have gotten across that lake. They're too heavy.
0: True. Sure. It goes back to the point that, that yeah, they it was a, it was a trap. It was definitely a trap.
1: It had to be a trap, bro. It was, cause
0: it, he it was needed, definitely a trap. He needed to get that right. which brings up the question that maybe. Mm-hmm. The reason why they started to attack was with Danny's birth, because they knew that Danny would hatch the dragons. And the Night's King knew that Danny was the one that would, would hatch the dragons, but knew that he needed to have one of those dragons. Interesting. At least one.
1: Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Our question about whether or not Ragel would, not Regal. whether or Viserian. not Viserion would uh, breathe fire was answered. Looks like he breathes ice fire? What the fuck was that? It looked like laser. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I was just going to say it was an ice fire. Like
1: icy um, fire, or I, like, like icy like hot. A gun or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever it did, now, it did I some was, fucking damage. I was
0: thinking, of, thinking about that. Like it looked a little too hokey, a little bit. I think it's something that the boat is going to be a lot more like I don't know, grander because you, you use your own like. Yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, like it just seemed like the dragons just like you
1: know. Yeah.
0: They just said a little, a little hokey, but.
1: You should have just breathed fire. Although maybe fire wouldn't take down the the wall because the wall was constructed, there were dragons. But other than that, I thought it, I was it was creepy, man, when he came flying in on that dragon, on top of the the, the army emerging from the woods, and it, it was a nice contrast to last week when Danny was looking over and Jon Snow mm-hmm. came wandering out of the woods. They have Beric Dondarrion and Tormund looking out, and you see one White White Walker come out, and then the army of the dead, the giants, and then finally. The dragon and they heard it first and you saw the look in their eye like oh no like we didn't even think of that we knew he killed this fucking dragon we didn't think that he would resurrect the dragon that's going to be quite a surprise but finally the wall comes down and other than Viserion's flame icy flame the effects for this episode were unbelievable it was like a, a feature film Right.
0: I guess for the flavor, it just went a little bit too long. Right? Like, yeah.
1: Just like Yeah. I agree. The whole
0: thing that they could have quickened up this season, they could have quickened that up. They could have like, just, you know, done it a little
1: bit quicker. You get really anything else initially? Uh, it's, it's fucking mad late, bro. Yeah, no, I think
0: that's...
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up on Wednesday. Plenty to talk about. I want to talk about ghosts a little bit, too, because I'm fucking pissed we didn't even get, like, one scene of Ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll discuss that later on in the week. Initial score for this episode, John. What, what do you give it? A 9.5. Nice. I am going to match your 9.5. I think Winds of Winter is a little bit better, but not much. Really good stuff, man. Good ending to this season. I'm sad that it's over, but we'll discuss all that and more a little bit later on in the week. You can find us, com. Bend the knee and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash princes. Follow us on Twitter at Prince's promised you can read our writings and our more detailed reviews the princes that were promised wordpress.com thanks for listening we'll speak with you guys later on in the week john always a pleasure everybody have a good night and later <laughs>